I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 49, Reflecting on Our Teaching Campaign. Hi, lovelies. This is Andrea Hope, a Baha'i mom, a poet, many other things. <laughs> and this is my podcast, To Mother, where I share my recommendations and insights about parenting with purpose in the modern world. So I share some quotes from the Baha'i writings that inspire me, some practical tips and resources, and sometimes my poetry. So welcome, welcome. Today we're going to be talking about reflecting on the teaching campaign that I did with my fellow Baha'is in our neighborhood over the summer. So if you're not familiar with this, you can go back to episode 47 where I talk about the idea to have one and a little bit about the planning of it. And I wanted to take some time to reflect on how it went or maybe things we learned. Hopefully it can give you some insight and maybe even inspire you to take the next step in reaching bigger numbers of people in your area. So the reading that I chose for today was actually from the Rizvan message of the Universal House of Justice. At Rizvan, usually the Universal House of Justice gives us guidance about what we want to do for the upcoming year in the Baha'i faith, like what our plans are, and also giving us some of the learnings from what's been happening all over the Baha'i world. So it's really wonderful because, of course, we're in touch with the faith in our country or community. We have the internet, so we have some idea of what's going on in other places, but it's really nice to have the Universal House of Justice collect all that data and information and tell us about the experiences. And then, of course, each of us has to read our reality and figure out how that applies to us. So this is a quote about some of the learnings from the Baha'i community that we can take forward into the rest of 2021. Baha'i communities adopted an increasingly outward-looking orientation. Any soul responsive to the vision of the faith could become an active participant, even a promoter and facilitator of educational activities, meetings for worship, and other elements of the community building work. From among such souls, many would also declare their faith in Baha'u'llah. Thus, a conception of the process of entry by troops emerged that relied less on theories and assumptions and more on actual experience of how large numbers of people could find the faith, become familiar with it, identify with its aims, join in its activities and deliberations, and in many cases, embrace it. I thought there were two points that I really wanted to highlight in this quote with regard to having a teaching campaign or just the learnings around engaging with people in Baha'i activities. And so the first one is this idea of having an outward looking orientation, because I know when I grew up, the Baha'i faith did feel like more of a a little group of people who are active Baha'is. And so it wasn't outward looking in the sense of really welcoming people, whether they're Baha'i or not, into activities and to the community building process. And it was also a lot more focused on the writings, which was wonderful because I got such a good background in actually reading the holy writings and really deepening on them with um, fellow believers in intimate spaces. But there was a lot less known about, okay, how do we invite other people to engage in this? Or how do we put this into action in our world to build community? So to be outward looking, to welcome people into the process, whether they're familiar with the Baha'i faith 
or whether they're interested in this particular activity that the Baha'is are doing. We believe that these principles apply to everyone. So the community building process is really important. So that part, outward looking orientation, is something really for us to remember. Of course, it says that some people did declare their faith in Baha'u'llah, which is a good reminder for us, you know, even in 2020, 2021, people are still becoming new believers. And these are the types of people that we want to reach out to. There are people who are out there who are looking for a different meaning. There's so many people who feel like, oh, well, I had this idea in my head that how can all these religions be in conflict with each other? Or there must be some way that I don't have to feel guilty about someone being a different religion. And those people are still out there and still looking to connect with the message of Baha'u'llah and a faith that really promotes unity and diversity and a deeper personal understanding of our relationship with God. And then the second part of that, which I think is really important, is this idea of actual experience rather than theories and assumptions. We can look at study circles, we can look at different things that the plan of our National Assembly or the House of Justice asks us to do, and we can go through all these scenarios in our mind or all these limitations of why it won't work in our community. Oh, people aren't receptive because of this, or that would be really difficult to do because of that. You know, we can have all these things in our mind that tell us this isn't really going to work for us. But if we can trust in the institutions, then we can say, you know, I trust them enough to try it. And then through that experience, I can say this works or this doesn't work. And I can rely on really going out there and making an effort, you know, to try to persevere. <laughs> I think I said this in the other episode. Then we can adapt things or think about things can be changed from our community. But it's hard to do that if you don't have the experience, if you're just thinking and you're getting trapped in theory, okay, should we do this or should we do that? And so I think this is something that I really learned that's so important is to just build up experience and to see each thing really as a humble posture of learning. We talk about that so much as Baha'is, to have a humble posture of learning, but that really helped me going into the teaching campaign, not to even necessarily feel like I have to talk to this many people or this has to come out of it, but to say, I'm going into this in this new area, my first experience to see if people are open to having elevated conversations, if families would be interested in praying together in our devotional, and really just being a learning experience about how to talk to people in my community, what the concerns are of people in my community, um, what kind of families are in my area, and that kind of stuff. So I really feel like that made me feel so much at peace and calm for all the days that we did it, which we did it for nine days. We would meet, we would study, and we would discuss and then we would go out for a couple hours to um, a neighborhood and the playground area that was in our neighborhood and try to have elevated conversations and invite families to join us for the interfaith children's circle. And so, yeah, I was like, even if only two people go, that's two more people than would have went and had these conversations that day. But thankfully, we had a really good turnout in terms of, I think we had probably at least four or five people going out um, every day or at least studying together, praying together. And we had people who helped with snacks and people who helped with the children, which was really wonderful just to see that small um, group community effort and to see how many people we could reach. So we did keep a spreadsheet of the families that we talked to. One of my learnings was to try to exchange contact information. I'm really bad with that because anyone who knows me well will tell you I'm horrible with answering my phone. Electronics, it's it's not really my thing. I'm a paper girl. I mean, I use my computer a lot, of course. But yeah, answering phone calls and keeping track of following up with people, small talk, I'm not good at it. 
But I noticed that a lot of other people on my team were asking people for their phone numbers so they could remind them about the circle if they seem interested or so they could maybe have play dates. I thought, oh, it's really important to at least try to remember their name and the area that they live in. And even more so if you feel comfortable to share your email address or ask for their phone number or something like that. But I think at the very least, at the end of the day, writing down the conversations you had, because it's good for following up with those people, but it's also good for the team to be able to share together the conversations that can be inspiring. Or if someone else runs into that person, then you know, oh, you talked to my friend the other day and things like that. So we had originally set it up that we would do the reflection at the beginning of each session. But some days we did do it that same day at the end because we weren't sure by the end of people walking around whether we'd be able to get back together. So there were sometimes I think we did it the same day, but then also for people who were coming who didn't come the day before, it was important to be able to reflect with people on what happened the day before and any really wonderful conversations we had that we wanted to share with others. We had a WhatsApp group, which I think was very helpful. So daily we could even just say, hey, I'm going to go to the playground today or I'm, I'm planning to do this today. Who's available and who isn't available? We were flexible. So sometimes it did happen that we did the whole study and prayer virtually. There were certain days that we were able to do it in person, but then other days, depending on who could come or if they had children napping or what time of day it was, we decided, oh, actually it's better for us to go ahead and do it uh, virtually. And then whoever could show up in person later to do the outreach could um, do that as well. So these were just some of the different dynamics. I wanna be really open and honest with the process because I don't want it to seem like, okay, we planned this and everyone had time and everyone came every day and it was just such that joyful spirit. There was a joyful spirit among having flexibility. So we had people who had work things pop up. I had times where my kids were just at their limit and so I had to adjust or maybe I had to think about going to do something on my own. That can be stressful because changing your plans or who's going to bring the snacks and the flyers and all that kind of stuff. But it was just such a joyful experience to be doing the service together and to be checking in with each other. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it was such a good example of doing something in the spirit, really making the process, the intention of sharing something that's really close to your heart, that's helped your life with others and building community with fellow Baha'is being at the core of it, rather than how many people is each person gonna talk to today or how many people are gonna show up at the end of the week for our children's circle and that kind of stuff. So yeah, those are some of the reflections that I have, some of the things that we talked about. The follow-up is something we're all still working on. Different people can follow up with those that they had conversations with individually. Initially, I did have a sheet where people could sign up if they're interested and put their email, but it didn't feel natural for us at the time to ask people to sign on the sheet. If that does feel natural in your neighborhood, I think that's really great. But yeah, for us, it didn't necessarily feel natural to do that. And so one of the stories I want to say before I transition to the living the life tip is that I had this experience where I walked up to a woman on the playground. She was there with her husband and four kids. And I had told her about the children's circle and family devotionals and stuff. And she said, oh, we're not from around here. We're from another city. And they just drove by and saw the playground. And they had some time before their next 
appointment so they just stopped and let their kids play there so at that point i was kind of feeling like okay well she kind of shut me down <laughs> i mean you know she, she didn't but i just felt like okay she's not interested maybe i should back away and not fit, make her feel uncomfortable but i remember two things one thing was just getting to know generally people in our community in our area even if she's not specifically in our neighborhood she is from the area and then the other thing is one of the friends who came from dc because we did have a couple people come from nearby neighborhoods to support us during the campaign, which is also a great idea, invite people from local communities and counties. We had discussed really making an effort to reach out to African-Americans, partially because the National Spiritual Assembly has asked African-American Baha'is to be at the forefront and indigenous Baha'is to be at the forefront of the teaching work. And I am African-American Baha'i and this believer also. And so the person that I was talking to, she was an African-American woman. So I just started talking to her about community and I asked her how long she's lived in Maryland, you know, about her family and things like that. And it turned out that she was a missionary for a Christian church and she had gone to, I believe, Romania. And my husband's from Poland. She asked, of course, how we met. And so that was very easily an opportunity to talk about the Baha'i faith. And so we're having this conversation. I'm sharing at some point, I feel like, okay, I'm sharing too much. I need to wrap this up. <laughs> and I asked her if I could just share one of the cards that we had with Baha'i prayers and she accepted that. And she said, you really got me with this idea that there's one God with many um, prophets, because this is something my husband and I have talked about often. So he'll say, oh, you mean to tell me that my ancestors or people in different countries are not going to be accepted by God because they never got the opportunity to hear about Jesus? Because both her and her husband are Christian, different denominations. And he is like, that just didn't make sense to him. So she thought this principle that had come up in our conversation, progressive revelation being a bit part of that, she was very interested in that concept. And she told me, and I thought that was just so nice for her to bring it back to that when I was feeling insecure about maybe I'm talking too much about the Baha'i faith. So yeah, it was just a really confirming, wonderful experience that I wanted to share. My living the life tip for this week is to join Eventbrite. How does that transition to what I'm talking about? Well, <laughs> it's related because one of the things that we decided to do, like I said, was try to find ways that people could follow up with us, having an email address. And I wasn't sure about having too much on social media because I'm really not good with consistently posting. And I feel like in this day and age, if you don't post consistently, then your stuff just gets lost online. So instead I thought maybe there's somewhere I can put an event page where people could see that the event happens regularly and then I can put the dates and people can contact me. And I thought about Eventbrite because there's a lot of great virtual events that I've been able to join through Eventbrite. They also have local events as well. So I posted on Eventbrite that we were having the Interfaith Children's Circle for our area. And so I specifically, you know, put our city so that if anyone looks up Interfaith or religion in our area, then they'd be able to see it even in Google search results because it's on Eventbrite. And I've actually had three moms contact me from Eventbrite. Maybe it's been four now. And three of them have come to the Children's Circle. So that's really, really cool. They just signed up on Eventbrite and sent me their emails and it did take following up with them like we're talking about following up. So when they emailed saying that they wanted to join, I emailed them back a picture of our flyer and letting them know when the next one was and we're excited to have them. And none of them came the first time that they said they would come as far as I remember. 
So then after we had the event, I would email them a picture from the event and let them know that, you know, we'd be happy to see them next time. And I felt really comfortable doing this because those people had reached out to ask about this. So yeah, I just sent a, an image and then I think I did that two or three weeks. And after the first week, I think one mom came and then just this past time when we had it, the two other moms came. So just to give you some reassurance about, you know, just because someone doesn't show up, of course, especially because we're moms and parents, other things in life happen. It might not be something that they can do consistently at the beginning until they really find a value in it. But yeah, that following up really worked well. And one of the moms actually thanked me when she came and said, oh, thank you for following up with me. And then the other mom asked me, well, do you all have any other events that you do in the community? And I thought, yeah, it was just so nice to have both of those interactions about something, again, that I felt personally insecure about, but that I just did trusting in the process and trusting in the plan. So the resource I wanted to share this week is actually Zazzle. Zazzle is a website where you can make custom products and it's something that artists can use, you know, to put their designs with different things, but it's also something that anyone can use when they want to make something custom. And the reason that I'm mentioning Zazzle is something that we realized would be really helpful for the campaign or just for our event in general is having a yard sign so that it makes it seem a bit more official and that maybe people feel more welcome as a public event. Now, especially that we're having it in the park. So I had a little framed a sign with the Interfaith Children's Circle flyer that one of our team members made. And then we also had little cards that we handed out, which was also really helpful that have the time and it should have the place. And we had some photos of the ones that we've already had, or you can use a graphic. I thought it was really nice to have photos so they could see actually like the age of the children and the diversity of our group and things like that. But yeah, the next step for us is we would like to have a yard sign so that people are walking by it or they could just, oh, it's the Interfaith Children's Circle. Maybe I'll look that up online and then they'll see our Eventbrite page. I mean, I'm sure there's other websites, but I know for sure that Zazzle can uh, make yard signs for you. And if you need any help with that, or if you want a custom order, you could also contact me and I could help lay it out for you so that we can get the sign printed and sent to you. But because everyone's circle or devotional or whatever activity you wanna do is gonna be different, that's why I suggested to go to that site. So the other thing that I talked about in our episode about the summer teaching campaign, episode 47, was this quote from Abdu'l-Baha that I read that was inspiring a poem, but I wasn't yet ready with the poem, so I shared that as a prompt. And I'm happy to say that I did write my poem, and I thought of you all. So I'm going to read the poem that I wrote, and it's based on a quote from Abdu'l-Baha that talks about the faith as a garden and how people interact differently with the faith. Some people just go by and admire it from the outside and then all the way up to the people who stay to tend the garden. So I wrote this poem based on those words of Abdu'l-Baha. The sightseers were abuzz as they trekked on past the gate. Fingers pointed and snapped photos to be shared on cyberspace. Some drifters stepped inside to take a closer look. But the baited beauty dropped her line and they were caught by golden hooks. A few walked through the pathways embraced by sight and scent. When the petals began wilting with withered winds they went. But you watered seeds with teardrops and sang a song each morn until you slept a soul in soil beds and you woke a flower born.
To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator, that's me. For more information about the Baha'i faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.